We just wanted to come on here and say happy World Mental Health Day. I hope that this day is something that you just enjoy. Take this moment. If someone wishes you a happy World Mental Health Day, wish it back. Ask someone, how are you really? And remember, we are not alone. Can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. Love you. Welcome to Emotional Support. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Are these your doggies behind you? These are my, yes, these are my pup. This one, this is Pee Wee Herman. He passed away, but he lived a fabulous, fabulous, almost 15 years um, and was just, he, he, he's actually the reason, Pee Wee's the reason why I started the podcast and why I really call it emotional support is because he was my emotional support on set. And he was my emotional support when I was flying and stuff like that. So it's. That's so fun. Are you a dog lover? <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny. I actually wasn't because I grew up with a cat. Oh. And it's not that I didn't like dogs, but I wasn't you really familiar. a dog lover. Yeah. Yes. And then my show that I was just on, everybody is a huge dog lover. Oh. lover and I grew to love dogs. Like I would take the dogs for walks. And, and now we have a almost four-year-old now English <gasps> bulldog. And I'm like such... I mean, my, my friends who've known me from before are like, who are you? Who, who are you and who have you become? I have to tell you, I have always wanted an English bulldog. So, I think that they are just so delicious and so scrumptious and so smelly and so cute. Is it everything that I'm describing and more? Yeah, they're the most loving, oh. loving, love, and such personality. They look at you like you know what they're thinking. And, oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, well, I'm so happy. Well, so you have your own emotional support dog, so that's very exciting. Um, I'm here with Stephanie. Stephanie, welcome to Emotional Support. This is such a special treat because it's World Mental Health Day, and we're releasing this on World Mental Health Day, and your book is coming out on World Mental Health Day, which is today, and we are going to get into that. But I have to say, I'm just so excited to talk to you because I selfishly, no pun intended with with the book name, um, which is funny. Um, I, I selfishly love talking with other actors and that's one of my favorite conversations as someone Same. who is, yes, it's, it's always gonna be an easy conversation. It's always gonna flow. Someone's always gonna be chatterbox. It's most likely me, but <laughs> but I'm, if I'm lucky, I get someone else that's, that's at the level that, that wants to just blab. Um, but it, it's so exciting because we share so many similar experiences and we've, gone through so many different scenarios and tough times and the stress and the anxiety of auditions and things that I would say the psychiatrist that I may interview or the specialist in X, Y, and Z may not understand what I'm going through. So this is very fun selfishly for me to do this. And I have so many questions for you and we're gonna tiptoe around some things. So if I don't say names of things, I just wanna preface, we are currently in the middle of a SAG strike. And so we are not allowed to promote or talk about 
past projects and say names and stuff, but we will do a little clue here and there so you will understand what we are talking about. Um, so welcome, Stephanie. Stephanie, how did you become an actress? Is this something that you always had a passion for that you were like, this is definitely the career for me, the one that is super hard, all about rejection. Yeah, seriously. Giving me all kinds of mental health issues. Like this is the job for me. <laughs> No, no. I took my first acting class when I was 29 years old. Oh my but, gosh. Wow. Yes. First ever. And then I remember doing my first monologue. And when the monologue ended, I was like, what just happened? Wow. And But, but in a beautiful way, sure. I felt not to sound all actory and everything, but I felt oh, I just connected with the real me and that I've been wearing masks my whole life. And it was wow. weird. It felt like being in a character's shoes allowed sure. me to sort of reveal myself to myself. Um, and so I think the first reason was more almost therapeutic. Like I was mm. like, this is, I need this. I need to do this. How did you fall into it? I mean, was that, were there people around you? I, I always, the reason why I ask is because so many people will come on the show and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I want to be an actor or I, you know, always wanted my kid to be in this or my kid wanted to do this and I don't know how to start. How, how does one start at the age of 29 if it's not through college, yeah. if it's not when they're young kid actors? I'm blown away by that. I think that's so unbelievable that you are here and you started I know. there. It's, it's not the regular, it's not the, the path that, you know, no, but the it's conventional an amazing path. path and it's unique to you. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I just got myself into, you know, I had this little voice for many years that was like, what if I took an acting class? What if I wow. took an acting class? And finally I um, just took the phone book and asked teachers, went through teachers and found this theater class in New York City. Wow. And it was amazing. And But before that, I studied business in school and I worked at Chanel in marketing. Oh my gosh. Fabulous. Yeah. So I was not at all in the arts or creative field. Well, I mean, marketing is very creative though. You have to be a creative person to be in marketing. So that's- That's it, true. It, it's probably always been inside your bones. You just had no idea that it could be expressed in so many different ways. Do you ever miss the marketing side? <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> no one's ever asked me that before. <laughs> I don't miss live, working in an office, but it's- now working, doing a, writing a book and having to do all the business side of it, and we're developing an app for it. I find that side of my brain being used again, and yeah. um, it's kind of fun. But I, I do love acting. Well, so much and I think more. it's really cool that you've had so many lives that now you get to use all these different lives that you've been in and put them into one topic, being the book and being able to share all that. And I'm sure a lot of people who don't understand marketing, who don't understand the business side of things, you know, they could be creatives that are writing a book and then they're like, well, what do I do now? And you're like, no, let me put my business hat on now, the business role, and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to get it done. And and so that's, that's yeah. really cool. I, I just, I'm so... Wow. And so what was the first, without saying what project it was, what was the first, you know, did you book your first audition? Were you one of those? Did you, you know, do the grind over and over again? What was kind of the first moment for you where you're like, oh, I, I, I can actually make money off this? I mean, I don't know how much, but I mean, you could make money off of it. Yeah. 
the money was like uh, nothing no, took, ever. Well, I did commercials. <laughs> I did commercials. Oh, that's where it is. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Yes. So that's how I made the money. And then I was lucky. I booked a lead role in an independent movie. Mm. And really early, and the movie did great. It was in Tribeca. It had wow. a great review in the New York Times. Uh, it was in a lot of festivals in Spain. And but then the movie came out in New York City, and then it had to um, be taken out of the theaters because they didn't have the movie rights. The not movie, the music rights. You are <laughs> kidding me! After no. all that, it yeah. went through film festivals and everything, and they didn't figure it out till then. <gasps> Oh no. my gosh. What well, was it a moment though where you felt like some sort of validation, like what I'm doing is right and I'm on the right yeah. path? So that's Yeah. Look. I felt I, I knew I knew it's it was both at the same time. I knew I at the I was in the right path. I knew I had talent, not to sound like, you know, no. pretentious or anything. No. And at the same time, I also com- doubted that completely. Yeah. Like it was weird. Right. Then I'd find myself in projects and I was like, oh my God, who am I to do this? They have so much more experience. I know nothing about sure. theater really, or, you know, so it was both at the same time. Sure. Did you do a lot of theater as well? N- no, I didn't. I just did a couple of plays, one off off Broadway, which was an absolute disaster. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was it was called Mistress Macbeth. So you oh wow. Just, yeah. <laughs> and I played a witch. Uh, but but I was always around because my class was a theater class. So actors and it always made references to sure. plays and everything. And I sure. felt like, oh my God. I don't know. Sure. Was there ever a moment when you were first starting out where you when you felt those feelings of like, oh my gosh, I don't belong here, that you ever were like, you know what, I'm going to step away. I mean, what was kind of the 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 moving force for you that kept you staying strong in the business? I think just really loving, it's just true love yeah. of that feeling when I'm, I sort of forget myself mm-hmm. and I'm in the moment, you know, like the magic of that. And I think what I realized, it's weird because talking about bringing it back to mental health too, I think it took me about 15 years to realize, oh my God, all the things we strive for as an actor, listening, being in the moment, uh, finding the truth, all that is actually the best lesson to be a healthy human being and and connect with other people well too. I'm like, that's what that's our lesson for life. <laughs> no, that that's really what it's all about and I think that that's what's so special about being an actor is because you get to experience all these different emotions, you get to feel all your feels, you know, and then you get to do this and help other people all across the world that you may never even know be like, "Oh my god, I've been in that moment." Even if you're playing a character and you really are just so in touch with yourself, and I think that I mean, that's a lot of the reason why a lot of actors get so lost in a character or get so lost in, let's say, the feelings that they need to numb themselves and they need to step themselves out. And that's when, you know, there'll be drugs or drinking and, you know, other sort of things that you have to be able to find a balance. You have to be able to find a way to kind of step out of that moment, leave it at the door and go back to your normal life. Normal. I use that in quotes. Um, Yeah. But but it is really so special that you do get to to do that. That that's what the to job let go. is. It's that feeling you know? of completely yeah, letting go. Yeah, that's the job. Like 
how cool yeah. is that? I can't think of any other job in the world where it's like that, you know? So what was the big moment for you where you're like, wow, I've made it, but I'm scared <laughs> shitless right now. And how am I going to do this? What was that moment for you? It was a my first lead role in a studio movie. It was a big comedy with the lead actor from The Office, Steve Carell. Oh, I can say actor. Yeah, you can say actor. Carell right? and yeah. Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I went through the auditioning process and did really well in the auditioning process. And then I found myself on set. And when I got there, I just completely lost my confidence. Wow. I, and it translated by every take I would judge myself. I was worried that, oh, what are they going to think? They're going to think that wasn't good. And so it made me unable to just create and be me and do my stuff. I was just trying to fit into what I thought they wanted, which is a killer for, you know, an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I driving to set, my heart was beat, would beat out of my chest. I had, you know, my legs were shaking and it not only impacted my acting, but it also made me feel like I I felt like I didn't belong. Mm. So I didn't relate to people. I didn't connect with people. It was not a good experience. I mean, I don't think anybody would know that, but inside I I would go home at night and be like, (gasps) and I I I can finally breathe. Right. Wow. Yes. Wow. And that's a really scary thought and a scary feeling, especially I can relate in the sense of being on a set and being overwhelmed by the people you're with. For instance, I had an audition one time and it was with a very famous actress and she's an older lady and she was, she's, you know, very, very, very big. And it was a moment where I was, I don't belong here. This is insane. I shouldn't be even in this room with her. I was testing with her. We were screen testing for her husband who was a famous director and he was recording. And I'm like, what is going on? And I remember when I left there, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I ruined that audition or that. T-. It was like, I don't, I don't deserve to be here. And that was, that's, yep. you know, imposter syndrome now, which is something that I never knew what that was or or what that definition was, I just was like, I have this feeling. This is what I feel. Yes. Um, so, I, like I'm going to be, they're going to find out they made a huge mistake by having me here and yes. they're going to fire me. Yes. That was yes. exactly what I was. Yes. 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 But but what I learned later was, and, and at the time also, I can't, I was judging myself because I was, I thought, oh my God, I can't handle the pressure Yeah. and get it together. This is what you wanted your whole life. But what I later, what I learned was imposter syndrome happens when we're just in a situation mm-hmm. that's a little bit, you know, a step up from what we're used to sure. do. And if we look at it like, oh, I've, of course I don't have it figured out because this is new and yeah. I'm, and it's okay. Yeah. I don't need to pretend like I have yeah. it figured out. Right. And, and was everyone at least kind on the set to you? Like where you felt like- So kind. So that's that. So it almost makes it worse, right? If they were a bunch exactly. of assholes, you'd be like, oh, well, see, it's not just them. It's I'm stressed out because the environment is bad. And it's like, they're <laughs> nice. It's like, are you kidding me? Why do I feel this way? But also for, I don't know what, for, because I started late, I, I've always been motivated if people are like with negative reinforcement. Mm. So if people don't believe in me or are like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are doing? Then I'm, uh, it like motivates me. Mm. But when people are super nice and believing in me, I'm going to fuck it up. Right, like- right, right, right. And so when you finish that movie, 
you know, were you able to share, or even now, were you able to share with any of the actors that were on that set kind of what you were going through? Because I'm sure you were not, I'm not saying specifically on that set, but in life, I can guarantee you, you're not alone in those feelings. Like when, oh, yeah, I mean, everyone feels that. Exactly. No. So I didn't because I felt like I was a loser. And then a couple <laughs> years later, this this actually really helped me. I was on another movie with Kevin Bacon. And mm. uh, before we started shooting, we were doing pre-production and we were in a room to get all the actors were together. Everybody took a break and I was just with him. He was like studying his script yeah. and um, I reached out to him. And I, and I said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I saw The Woodsman. Did you ever see that movie? I didn't see The Woodsman, no. He plays a pedophile in it. It's a really tough <gasps> Wow, role, okay. But he's, his performance really moved me. The movie, I thought, was pretty amazing. And so I said, I just want you to know, I, I thought you did an amazing job in that. And he looked at me with such humility and vulnerability. And he was like, oh, my God, thank you so much for saying that. Not too many people watch that movie. And then he was like, oh, I'm such a mess. I didn't sleep last night. I always get like this before a new movie. And in my head, I was like, wait, what? You get You're like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> exactly. And that moment helped me so much because wow. I realized that we're all – you know, no matter how successful you are, how experienced you are, how people give you accolades and all that, you're, we all have fear. Sure. And it's just about learning how to navigate those new environments and our emotions a little yes. better and getting the tools that can help us do that. Did you find after the, the movie that you did with, with Steve Carell, did you find the next project that you did, you still had those same feelings? Like, did it almost in a PTSD way, kind of like come up again yep. and continue to come It was up? the Kevin wow. Bacon movie. Oh, wow. And, wow. and so the funny thing is, and same thing, great auditioning process. Once I got on sure. set, ooh, this same yeah. feeling. And I, and, and I was like, oh, there it goes again. It's, oh. And then, you know, you're starting to spiral. Uh, but I actually came across this book by Deepak Chopra mm -hmm. that was called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Mm -hmm. And I, I was not, a, <laughs> I was not a, at the time, I was not a self-help book I, no. person. I, I, I sort of poo-pooed this kind of stuff, but I bought the book and um, it just spoke to me mm. so much as, that I went to the bookstore, got some flashcards and I made myself little flashcards, takeaways, from the book that wow. helped me. And every morning before I would go on set, I would look at these flashcards. Wow. And it was a game changer because it gave me a point of focus. Sure. When I would start to have self-doubt take over and negativity, I was like, oh no, focus on giving, focus on listening, focus on embracing the unknown. All these principles, it, it sort of gave me a framework um, to cut out, to recalibrate. You completely recalibrated your brain, which is wild because it takes people years and years and years of therapy and, you know, different types of therapists and, and different types of modalities to even figure that out. So I think that that's, that's so special. We, we all come across amazing, um, moments in therapy and it's like a breakthrough and you're like, yes, this is how I'm going to live right. from now on. But for me, the challenge was, how do I remember all mm. these amazing insights and guidance? And then in a moment of stress, how do I actually access them in my brain? Sure. Because 
because the the negativity takes over or sure, you know yeah. when i say negativity i don't mean you have to be positive but i mean like no. the doubt or the fear no takes of over. course of course it's a heaviness i always say it's like a heaviness that's like slowly coming over and it's like the black is coming up above the eyes and you're like drowning you know in these thoughts and it's like yes. why are you drowning in these negative thoughts like the, the they're false it's fake it's not real like step out of yeah. it snap out of it you know and so for me i was like I need a place that I can, in a moment of need, that I can turn to Mm -hmm. and have all these bits and pieces gathered, whether it's notes from therapy or takeaways from books, or even just reminding myself of, you know, some of moments where I felt good and I did difficult things. Right. And so that's, and I call it a playbook. And that's, that's, it's almost like doing reps, you know, when mm-hmm. you go to the, at the gym and you just do the reps and slowly you get a little stronger right. doing the reps every day on my playbook helps those thoughts become more habitual. So after you did the movie with Kevin, did you continue on with the flashcards and other projects that you did? Did you bring those along with you? Well, well, the book went on the bookshelf and the flashcards were in the book and a few weeks later, I couldn't have told you what were what was wow. in it, and I forgot about it. Uh, and but five years ago is when actually it was my husband. We sort of are in this path of like growing and learning together. And he was like, "What if we had a place on our phone where we could put all these things?" And I was like, "Oh my god, mm. the flashcards! That was the version, the first versions. Let's do it in our phones." And so now it's an album on my on wow. my phone. Wow. And it's you, you, It's on the shelf because it's technically in your brain. It's there. It's like ingrained in you because you've done it so many times, which is so cool and so, so magical. Something that I read um, in the email that, that was sent to me about you was um, that you practice transcendental meditation, which is so fun for me because I do too. And it's something that I'm a firm believer. I live with bipolar one disorder. It's something that I discovered through acupuncture, an acupuncturist was actually the one that said, hey, you've been going through all these things. Has anyone ever told you you might be living with bipolar disorder? And it was after I had um, been on a set for two years up in Canada. I was living away from home for the first time and I had had my first panic attack and it was on set and no one knew (gasps) but the hair and makeup people um, because I was crying and, and I was panicking and they thought it was because my grandma had just passed away. So maybe, you know, I was having a panic attack thinking I was a, having a stroke because she had had a stroke. And the greatest thing was that no one on set knew except for some of the, the hair and makeup who fixed me. And one of the mm-hmm. actors um, had a doctor come to set who was very sweet. And he said, don't even worry about it. I shouldn't tell you, and he really shouldn't have told me, but he did. He confidentially to- confidentially told me a very famous actor's name who had just had a panic attack, who he had give- given a beta blocker to like he was giving me because I was so scared. I was like, what is he giving me? He's giving me drugs, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, everyone goes through this. Everyone has panic attacks. That's what you went through. And it was the first time, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know? Because like you can't recognize it. I, I don't know if you've ever had one before, but it feels like you're having no. a stroke or a heart My attack. Heart, yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. You feel like you're going to die. Yeah, you're like, it's an <laughs> out-of-body experience. And it, it, it was bizarre. But it made me feel so at peace knowing that this world-famous actor had, was going through this, right? And I was like, 
my God, okay, so I'm not crazy, you know? Anyways, long story short, I come back here years later of going to different types of therapies and things not really clicking and not really working. My husband Mm -hmm. is a very big um, TM practicer. And um, I was like, oh, you're crazy. When we first started dating, we went to Vegas one weekend and he had to meditate before we went Mm -hmm. down for the day. And I was like, are you insane? And he meditated by the pool at the Bellagio one time. And I was like, this guy is crazy. So And his head is bobbing. And <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. And he's like, folk, and I'm like, this is bizarre. Like, I'm trying to gamble. Like, I'm trying to do things. This is not the guy for me. Um, and so what was interesting <laughs> was he always would say to me, I'm never going to tell you to do it. I'm never going to push you to do this. But I truly believe it's going to help with your mood disorder. That's what I think it's going to help. So there was a weird moment a couple years ago where I felt a drive to go and learn TM, Transcendental Mm. Meditation. And it came through another friend of mine. And I never told him that I was, went to go and take a class. And so I went to the David Lynch Foundation. I was invited to go over and learn over there. And I went and I practiced and I told him when I was like four days into my my whole session yeah. of learning. And I was like, by the way, you know, and he couldn't believe that I had the same teacher as him and and full circle moment, the girl that, that played my sister in a movie who was the one that brought me to the David Lynch Foundation is the one that he actually told to go to TM years prior. So it was a full oh. circle, weird moment. The ripple effects. It was a ripple effect. Right? It was bizarre. Yeah. And I am telling you, if it was not for transcendental meditation, I would not have been able to have a pregnancy that I did years later. My baby, my baby practices TM. Like she's 15 months old and like we sit down and we meditate or she meditates with her dad every morning and like just relaxes. Obviously she doesn't have a mantra, but she, she, you know, is enough in a space where it clicks for her. And so I just want to honor, that was such a long-winded explanation for me to get to here, but I just, I, I need people to hear it because it's something that has truly changed my life. And let me tell you, let me, I have to be very honest, there were moments in the pregnancy, in the moments after postpartum where there was no way you could get me to sit down for even five minutes and do it. You know, it's slowly, I'm getting back into it. But when you do it, it is it is a game changer. And when you meet other people that practice TM, it feels like a cult in the best way possible where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, you understand what I'm going through. Like, you understand yeah. this. Um, so how did TM find you and how did you find TM? So I started, I think I've been doing it for like seven years now. Wow. And before that, when I did the Kevin Bacon movie, that was sort of my my switch of like starting to learn a lot of practices. And I, then I was doing guided meditations yeah. on my phone, right? Wow. And I think after three years of that, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't a regular practice. Mm-hmm. And I had heard a lot about TM here and there. And I had this sort of drive like you, for me, it was, because you know, when you go there, they ask you, why are you doing this? Yes. 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 And for me, it was, I was like, I want to know who I am. Oh, <laughs> it was, I love that. I want, I want to connect to this deeper part of myself. I, I, I know that I'm not there yet. Yeah. And um, that was what drove me to it. Um, oh, it's amazing. It uh, is. It, it's incredible 
at first, for me, the stages is at first, it's like, oh, this experience of meditating is so cool, blah, blah, blah. But then when you see what happens in your real life mm -hmm. every day, how uh, you're able to catch yourself more, you're more aware when your emotions take over sure. and you're able to bring it back. And I don't know, I feel like, and sometimes I skip it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I get in when it happens. A lot of times it's when I shouldn't, it's right. when I get really busy. And I notice my mind uh, gets overwhelmed a lot e more easily. Um, and also on set, like he said, meeting other people who do it. Uh, Christina Moses is an actress on the show that I was on. And she, she also does TM. And uh, we would text each other after lunch break or at the end of lunch break. And we were like, Medi? And we would go to each other's trailer and... Oh my God. And it's how... so good to do together. Yes, because it's so powerful. The energies together. Yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. What a cool experience to do that with someone on set, especially because set can be just so overwhelming. Even, even if you're having the best time in the, in the world, which I always find it is so fun. 99.9% .9 of the time. Um, there yeah. is always that 0.1%. Yes. Um, but you know, I, 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 th there's something about that bond that you would have with someone where you just there's just a lot of energy when you walk on a set, no matter what it is. And so to mm -hmm. be able to step back, I mean, the best naps I ever have are on set and I'm not a nap person, but I find myself crashing so much because you're just, your emotions are so drained. So to reset like that with, with transcendental meditation is just so cool. I just think that's, that's so awesome that that's part of your practice. Now, does your husband practice TM as well? Yeah. Cool. We start, we went, we learned together and we all, all often joke. We're like, oh my gosh, imagine if we, one of us didn't do it. The other would be like, oh, here we go again. Going to do your. No, I, but I have to tell you, that's exactly what it was like when I first started dating him. Like at, at first I was like, oh, this is funny. Like he's really weird. And like, he's like strange, but like, whatever, I'll let him be. And then it almost got really frustrating because I was like, well, I would, we, we have to go to this brunch. Like it, it was like a work brunch or something. And he's like, okay, but I have to meditate before we go. And I'm like, there's no time. Like there's <laughs> no time. I was like, and it, and I remember, I think it was a moment where he was like, well, then I can't go. I'm so sorry. You know? And, it, and I just was like, oh, what? That's you know? And it was, it, it was really frustrating. Cause I'm like, I don't understand what is this cult? What is this thing that, that has a hold of you? You know what I mean? And for him, it was like, this is what helps me breathe like this is what yes. helps me stay alive this is what helps me focus and if you want me to be the best boyfriend that I can be at the time like this is what it's going to be you know mm -hmm. if you want me to be the best husband this is what it's going to be the best father this is what it's got to be and so it's really interesting to kind of now be on the other side and understand that you know of creating that boundary of like no this is something that I must do like I feel like I need to do this right now and it's what I have to do so I think that and when so you awesome. do have, when you do say that and take the time, you're so you're so much better for the people around sure. you. Sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're life changingly better. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Now, tell me, how did this book come about? How were you like? Okay, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a book right now. This is the next step in my life. How did selfish happen? Well, that's not the book. I wanted to write a book about boobs. <laughs> Stop it. That's incredible. <laughs> what was it going to be about boobs? Well, I'll tell you about this book, for the, the boob book. For, because my whole thing, I have small boobs 
And uh, I, you know, as a teenager, you're like, eh, you feel a little bit sure. less than, you get teased, whatever. And then there was this whole movement about embrace your body, uh, body love, self-love, mm. all that. And and I was thinking, I was like, and they still don't talk about boobs. And so I thought, do you remember the book, uh, Go the Fuck to Sleep? That was a yes. parody on yes. a good night mood. Yes. I was like, what if we did an illustrated book um, uh, about boobs? That was a parody of Incredible. a well-known book. And so instead of, oh, the places you'll go, we wrote. I wrote a poem with my friend Natalie Wall, and it was called, Oh, the Titties You'll Grow. <laughs> Incredible. And I have to be honest, I probably would read it to my daughter. Like, that's right. I, I finally yeah. have my dream boobs because there's milk in it. And like, I'm dreading <laughs> the milk going away. I think it's the only reason why I'm still breastfeeding because I just finally got the, the, the full B boobs that I wanted. Nice. Enjoy them while they I last. I am. I am. I am. Because they're going away soon. Yeah, I had the same thing. And then my friend, a makeup artist, Debbie Lelievre, who I met in Canada on set. Oh. She is an amazing illustrator. And she did all the illustrations. And so I tried to shop this book around. Uh, but then COVID happened. And, and then nobody wanted to touch it. And COVID happened. Which is so shocking because I think it would be hilarious. Yeah. It, People were like, titties? Uh, you can't call that. And it was written with a double G, you know. But then during COVID, uh, I'm an ambassador for Give an Hour. It's a mm. mental health uh, nonprofit. Um, they reached out to me during COVID when everybody was lo on lockdown and just to discuss about practices we all have. And so mm. I told them about TM. And then I told them about this principle of having creating your own playbook for right. life with all the things that help you heal grow, right. thrive. Right. They loved it. Uh, they were like, we want to bring this concept to our community during mm. COVID and encourage them to create their own playbook. So we did a series of webinars and then people loved it. But everybody said, or not everybody, but the one question that kept coming up was, what do you put in your playbook? And oh. I was like, it's personal. We're all different. Right. And then somebody suggested, can you write a workbook to wow. help people create the content of their playbook right and that's how this book came about i can show you because it, so it's all you know oh, exercise wow. there's there's eight exercises uh that are really help you take a journey into your own life mm. but through different angles different perspectives and to learn more about who you are what matters to you what helps you think better feel better and do better and then your answers to the exercise will populate your playbook you can create a playbook in a note in a on paper or mm -hmm. you can put it in your own phone no that's so amazing and did you work with somebody I mean I feel like it's one thing to be able to sit down and write maybe your autobiography and be able to do that but a workbook like that it just seems so uh, how do you even where does one even begin to know what to do like it, it was just all your own experiences of what you did for yourself for the past 10 years, I've worked with therapists, coaches, yeah. read a lot of books. And so I took my, I looked at my own playbook and was like, how did I come up with this content? And sure. I came up of versions of exercises that have helped me discover right. uh, insight that I was like, oh my God, yeah, this, mm. this really helps me. And then I didn't want to do this book. I wrote it alone, but I didn't want it to... I wanted to have the partnership with Given Hour. Right. Um, they gave me the support of mental health professionals who looked at each exercise uh, wow. and helped me craft the science behind it. And then there's stories in there 
there's it's not I didn't also want to be just my story. I wanted to have other people's stories. So there's given our ambassadors, there's stories of recovery, stories of, um, there's a professional boxer, world champion boxer in there. There's a documentarian veteran with PTSD. Uh, There's, I think the reader will get different perspectives that will resonate to them no matter, you know, what, what walk of life they they're struggling from, right? with or yeah. yeah yeah exactly. no I think that's so fantastic I I love that so much I it's interesting because I think that that's something that I like what you're doing what I what I hope to do in regards to this podcast is having different types of voices on I think that you would be surprised right an actress may listen to this going, oh, well, you know, Stephanie's an actress and, you know, we go through the same things, but you may find that listening to a veteran with PTSD, that there may be something that that triggers you inside where you're like, oh my gosh, I maybe I didn't go to war and maybe I didn't do this, but there's some kind of practice that they do that helps me out more so than I thought with the actress or more so than I thought exactly. with the neuroscientist. You know, so I think that, it's so smart yes. of you to do that, you know, to to have different voices. I love that. I love that you said this. I just read this memoir. This I'm going to oh. plug this oh, memoir yes. because the, Miles Borrero okay. is a, a yoga teacher and he wrote his memoir. He's trans and it's called Beautiful Monster. Oh. And I was given an advanced copy to read uh, by my literary agent and I was like, you know, kind of who am I? Like, I don't, I, I don't know if I'll breathe, to know if I wanted to write a sure. testimonial. And my initial re- reaction, I'm kind of embarrassed to say was, I, I, why am, why me to, why? to read this? Yeah. And, and I read his memoir and every, exactly what you said, it was about human, just finding yourself. And mm. it doesn't have, it doesn't have anything to do with gen. I mean, it's his it's his story um, journey yes. through 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 gender and finding his own identity, but I related to it every step of the wow. way because for yes. me it was about finding myself. Yes. Uh, so I love that you say that we all have shared human experiences, no matter uh, what the specifics are. Oh, I, we we all do, and that's why I really hope that maybe it'll be someone so random that you'll never even think will actually find your workbook the absolute most, 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 you know, life-changing for them, which would be really cool. And I think that that's what's really special is hearing from people from all over the world and hearing different stories. And that's why I believe, you know, if you're ready to share your story, whatever it may be, share it because you have no idea whose life you're going to change. You have no idea who's going to be affected by it or they'll, or, you know, just like you sharing this beautiful person's um, book, beautiful monster, beautiful monster. There may be someone that might be listening to this, that shares it with someone else and that will change their life for the rest of their time. You know, you never know. And so that's why I just think that there's such beauty um, in, in sharing a story and using your voice um, for the voiceless. I think it's wonderful and you're still acting and that's so amazing. And we're all on hold right now, but hopefully, you know, everything will, will be changing very soon and you'll get back into it. What is also something else that you can say, maybe for someone that's on the brink of wanting to do something to change their life, whether it be write a book, whether it's start a new job, what is something that you could leave with them, some sort of t- 
tip of inspiration to make that next step to break through? I think what's helped me, because even writing a book was something very new and I had my fair share of doubt and like, oh my God, people are going to laugh about this. And so what helps me always is it's good not to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. I am not supposed to have it all figured out. Uh, I'm here learning and also I can offer a fresh perspective because I'm coming from a new, you know, I'm I'm not an expert at it. So maybe I'm going to see things differently. Right. Yeah. And look at it like it's an opportunity to learn. That's mm. amazing. Yes. I love that. It's an opportunity to learn. Oh my gosh. And then yeah. the organization, you are be giving 50% of the proceeds to... Um, give an hour. Give an hour. Oh my gosh. And how did you get involved with them? So the founder of Given Hour, Barbara, Dr. Barbara Van Dalen, was a consultant on the TV show that I just did that, oh, was, cool. that dealt a lot with suicide and depression. She was a consultant to the writers to make sure that all the scripts wow, depicted fabulous. mental health and in an accurate and sensitive manner. And so I met her. She visited set one day and hit it off with her and then got involved with the organization. And um, then, yeah, a couple years later during COVID that I was, you know, I was in touch with them. Right. And that's how wow. this relationship sort of blossomed right. into the a partnership uh, in this great really amazing adventure. It it is an adventure. And I think that I'm really, it's so nice to hear when um, uh, sets and productions actually use people in, in the right way of, of the right organizations and the right voices who know how to kind of shape mental health and, and mental illness to be able to bring it to a viewership where it's real, it's accurate um, and they have the resources to share if you're feeling, you know, this way, this is numbers to call. These are the resources because so many And for times, people to feel seen and there's, stig- there's so much oh, stigma. Yes. And- there's so much stigma yeah. and, and you, and you see people, I mean, even just a few years ago, you would see some shows and, and they would depict bipolar disorder and you're like, what world are like, did you talk to one person maybe that even like lived with this? Because if you did, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be portraying it this way. Or, you know, you make it out to seem like, you know, every person who lives with bipolar disorder is a murderer. You know what I mean? Like, you know, certain things like that. And for me, it's, it's been very touchy. I mean, I can, I can laugh about certain things, but also I want to know that there are people out there who are living with the same disorder as I am that are being heard and are being seen and are finding resources and finding that they're seeing themselves, you know, on, on the television or the movie being like, wow. So people can understand they can have empathy for this. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and have understanding. So I think that every time I hear something like that, that, that someone's on a set and they're really helping out and that the actors then are resonating enough to want to get involved and work with these companies and bring awareness because listen, it's still such a stigma and it's still such a stigma on set, you know? I And, it, and it's isolated. I, my brother, I talk about it in the book briefly, but my brother was a heroin addict and he passed away when he was young, oh, but he, and he was HIV positive, oh. positive And it was in, you know, the nineties and 
when I, I remember when I learned about it, I did not share that with anyone oh, because right. people were not educated. There was so much fear. There was so much stigma. And I think also humor is a great thing to deal. Humor to- is the best thing. Yes. For. It's the best medicine. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that there is something in, in you have to have humor and you have to have some sort of levity when it comes to mental illness and mental health, especially in the field of work that that you're doing, right, um, of going on set and getting off. I mean, you you have to, there has to be some sort of a, a moment. And again, another reason why I have a podcast, because I'm hoping to make it funny and light and it doesn't have to be, you know, oh my God, we're going to talk about mental health and like, oh my gosh, all these like dark, heavy things. And like, that's it. It's like, no, let's look at not just the positive bullshit, but like, let's look at the fun of it. You know what I mean? Let's hear stories. Like th- these things, it's okay to laugh. Yes. It's okay to do these things. It's okay. So I just, I love that. I'm going to, Stephanie, I'm going to ask you my final question that I ask everyone on the show. Um, What is your emotional support? Oh, my emotional support is Otis. It's a big, he's right here lying down next to me. Oh my God, stop it. Uh, I mean, that's part of my emotional support. That's a big part. Yes. But love, I would say actually the big, big one is love. Love uh, that. I get and love that I give because that's how I feel connected. And to me, everything's about connection, connecting on a real level with yourself and others. So maybe connect, connect is the emotional. Yeah. I love that. No one's ever said that connect. So I love that. And in all the episodes, this has been really fabulous. I'm, I'm so happy every, how can everyone get the book? How can everyone follow you? Uh, Thank you so much. You can get the book anywhere. Uh, Amazon is really good for new authors and new books, I think. But Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores. And follow me on Instagram. Steph Shortstack okay. is my handle. Shortstack? Oh, my God. That's so cute. I'm going to have a link at the bottom, too. How do you pronounce your last name, though, in general, so I know? Showstack. Showstack. Okay, Like so you're it's not going to a show. Or like, show Showstack. me your stack. <laughs> I love that. That should be the name of your next autobiography. Show me your stack. And then people will know what stack means. Like, yeah. is it your boobs? Is it your down under? Like, yeah. what is what is the show me your stack? And then you're going to be like, it's actually my life story. Thank yeah. you so much. So there you go. I gave you that name. There you go. Thank like, you, Al. It's going to be awesome. <laughs>